Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on this special episode. I uh, Normally, we were on Mondays, then we're on Wednesdays, Wednesdays, and then we wanted to take this opportunity to uh, give you the opportunity to speak with uh, or hear from Dr. Sebastian Gorka. And uh, so I figured you wouldn't mind. I didn't think you would mind. If you don't mind, uh, I just went ahead and um, booked him for today and figured that would be all right. So he's going to be on in just a few minutes, and we're going to be excited to have him. Our, our goal here is to make it such that he's not rushed. Uh, we want him to be able to, you know, a lot of times folks have to, uh, you know, when they're on shows, by the way, the name of his book is Defeating Jihad, The Winnable War. And uh, I read it. Uh, it. It is, it's a, uh, it, there's so much to the book. I have to tell you, it's extraordinary how much he fits in that book. Uh, I, I read it and it was a, I, I say this, it, it's a fast read, but the fact of the matter is it's such a good read. So I want you to uh, benefit from, and so we'll tell you during the course of the show how to get the book. It's a, it's, it's an absolutely extraordinary, extraordinary book. Um, and so we'll talk more about that in a minute. We want to uh, welcome folks from all around the globe. We're so fortunate to have so many folks listening from around the world. I love getting the emails. I always feel terrible that I can't. By the way, you've reached the collision of faith and politics with the ninja pastor. The ninja pastor is me. So, um, you know, we're, we're glad to have you. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to this, that... Um, you know, this show is nothing without the listener. So one of the ways that you can help me, um, I don't like to ask for help, but one of the ways that you can help me is if you go to drshawngreener.com uh, or you go to uh, any of our any of our outlets um, in our reach, but drshawngreener.com, theninjapastor.com, those are, those are great places to start. And go to the blog entries and podcast entries for these shows and put in a comment. Uh, that makes a big difference. I, I know I don't understand how all the search engine optimization and how shows move up and the ratings and all that stuff. But I know this. Uh, they've taught me real well that subscribers doesn't mean anything that I have between six and 700,000 listeners. 
um, every week. But that doesn't matter. What matters are subscribers. And the way uh, we also boost us up in the ratings is by writing a comment. So if you have a genuine, you know, a for real comment uh, that you want to make, please feel free to do that because that's, that's so incredibly helpful to us. Uh, and, it, and it really does, it means the world to me for you to do that. Because, you know, I talked to a black uh, screen, uh-oh, Black Lives Matter is going to be mad at me. Well, I'm sorry, but everything around me in the studio is black. And don't hate. I mean, it's, you know, that's what color it is. But um, now we're not allowed to do it. Hey, Billy Bob. Hey to our folks in Ohio. Uh, we've got folks listening. Let's see here. We've got folks listening in a whole bunch of states. We've got some folks listening. Actually, we've got some overseas folks. Uh, it's late at night for you guys. Uh, we have a group of Navy SEALs that uh, sometimes when they work out, they plug in. So they've, they've told me they're listening, and I, I love that. That means a lot to me. And, um, you know, we thank you for all that you and, and all servicemen and women do. All around the globe, people forget we're still at war. We are still at war. And I want you to know that um, it matters to those folks. You know, I'm what am I? I mean, I'm just a guy. But um, our soldiers, if you, could, if you could reach out to them, if you could re- remind them that you know they're still there, uh, that makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference to them, knowing you're not forgotten, uh, knowing that you still matter. I mean, yeah, they get letters from their families, and they get, you know, connection that way. But to know that they're appreciated from the general American public, because to be honest with you, if, if you watch the DNC convention, you don't have any sense that the DNC even realizes we're at war. And uh, And I'll tell you what. You know, it is, uh, by the way, Philly Bob, he will not, he's driving right now, so he will not be able to send me the pictures of the food that he cooks. You know, a lot of times he will cook the most incredible things, and I've eaten his cooking, trust me, it's impressive. It's like eating in a restaurant. But then I'll talk about how hungry I am, and what's this guy do as my supposed friend? He will send me crisp high-definition photographs, and sometimes he even, like, if he's cooking something that sizzles, he has the unmitigated gall to send me video of the the items cooking. And so it's wrong. Uh, I admit that it's wrong, or I acknowledge that it's wrong, but you know what? I don't think he will. So he'll probably make me something else uh, over time to uh, to make up for it. And, and trust me, it will be worth it. So uh, I, I want you to know that the the uh, around the world, we appreciate all of our soldiers and sailors, airmen and marine, and and, and also our coast guard, um, an extraordinary bunch of people. You you make a difference in everything that you do, and uh, somebody asked me the other day. They said you haven't mentioned the Gold Star families in a while. Well, I tell you the truth, it's it's not for nothing, but. Um, what we really uh, are all about, you can hear my dog bark in a minute. Somebody's approaching my studio door. Uh, she's a protector of me, keeps daddy safe. Um, you know, sometimes they need a break from, it sounds bad, but all the attention. Because every time someone talks to them uh, about their loss, they have to relive their loss. And that's a difficult thing indeed. 
So I thought, well, maybe we take a little bit of a break from it. But we never, we never, ever, ever forget our Gold Star family. So I want you to know that, that you are important to me. You're important to the show. And, and we won't ever forget you. So um, as, as far as that goes, we really uh, are honored to have so many. I see a couple there that are, that are joining us now. So thank you. Thank you is inadequate for the sacrifice you've made. Uh, what you've given for this country. It's just, it's extraordinary. So uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for it. And, and I know that our audience is. So as an audience, you guys uh, are extraordinary, but I'd like to see if we could get more comments. Uh, people will send me text messages and things like that and send me emails. But if you could go to the website, drshawngreener.com, theninjapastor.com, that is so effective uh, for us, it helps us uh, move up in the rankings and all that stuff. And you, as you guys know, I'm, I'm not great at plugging my own book, and I'm not great at plugging what we do. Uh, but if we're to continue what we do, uh, there's a great cost to it. So um, we've got to we got to make it worth worth doing. So here we are. It's Tuesday, August second, and uh, our special guest is Mr. Sebastian Gorka. Now. I, you know, if you don't own a television, then you wouldn't know uh, who he is. Well, wait a second. You probably would still know because he's all over print media, all over it. Now, see, I thought Philly Bob couldn't possibly driving home and he sends me a bunch of beef, looks like beautiful beef ribs. I don't know how he does it. He's heartless. You guys know Philly Bob's heartless. That's how he does. And uh, so... Dr. Gorka is all over the place. I mean, he's on CNN, he's on Fox News Channel, he's on Fox Business Channel, he's he's on all these places. And quite frankly, uh, I just don't think you're you're going to find a better expert. You know, I'm referred to as an internationally regarded expert on terrorism and Islam, but this guy, his, he, he, it's just an extraordinary, extraordinary background. It. it it just defies, and I'm going to ask him about it, actually. He's a, by the way, I talked about if you don't watch television, you know, if you're just an internet person, Bright New, Breitbart News. He's the chair of military theory at Marine Corps University. He appeared on Fox News Sunday uh, many, many times. He's appeared on CNN many, many times. And, and in fact, he's been called upon last second to jump on television and dispense his expertise on um there, there might be a terrorist attack or there might be something happens. And he is just ready at a, at a moment's notice to dispense his vast knowledge. You know, um, host Tucker Carlson, I like Tucker. I, I've met him several times. He's actually a really good guy. He asked Dr. Gorka if he thought the problem with the White House's messaging is not that they uh, is that they have not talked enough, as the administration has implied, or if there was a deeper problem. This was Dr. Gorka's response, and I, this is one of the reasons why I like this guy, because he's kind of in your face. He, you know, he's got a Ph.D., um, but he doesn't talk above people. He's a real guy, and he talks right, you know, right direct to you. I don't think this is a question of bad communication. I think most Americans know we don't have a plan. They don't live in a bubble. And they're very aware of the fact that the administration has a plan to protect the president from criticism, but doesn't have a plan to protect Americans from ISIS. 
That was Tucker's. Uh, that was Dr. Gorka's response to Tucker Carlson of Fox News Channel. Just look at the last three years. First, we have this red line that could not be crossed by Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad. Nothing happened. Cross the line, nothing happened. Then we had to train Syrian fighters. What happened there? We canceled it after a half a billion dollars were spent on this. I think, what did we train, five people? Then he goes on to say, we have our desperate attempt by the administration to support the Shia extremists with a nuclear deal. And I'm in the region right now, Gorka said, from Tel Aviv, uh, Israel. When you talk to our partners, when you talk to our allies among the Sunnis, when you talk to the Israeli national security professionals, they are clear. America doesn't have a plan, and the administration is throwing gasoline on the fire of global jihad. The Fox News host discussed how Israel built a security fence to keep terrorists out. So when America discusses these issues, it becomes immoral to suggest a defensive measure in the eyes of the elites. The administration in the White House lives in this unreal fantasy land where there are White House national security advisors who have never had any experience in national security. You see, this guy calls it out. He calls it out. He says it like it is. He doesn't fluff it up. Political correctness. He is I. Uh, say that political correctness will be the death of us. A deputy national security advisor who has a master's in fictional writing thinks he knows the world better than a four-star general or a national security expert? And that's extraordinary. It's absolutely extraordinary. Let's see if this is him logged in. Dr. Gorka, is this you? Sean? Yes. Hey, it's Mark Allen Urbeck. How are you, sir? Hey, buddy. I've got Dr. Urbeck uh, or Dr. Gorka coming on. I, I, unfortunately, I can't take okay. your call at the moment. Okay. But not, thank you for calling problem. in. I, I did, I did, not a problem. I appreciate it, buddy. He'll be on any okay. second. Thank right. you. Thanks. It's a disconnect, Gorka explained. The administration in the White House lives in this unreal fantasy land where there are – and this is true. You know, He's saying the truth, and people don't like to say this, but it's absolutely true. The administration in the White House lives in this unreal fantasy land. There are 26-year-old White House – this is true. Now, I'm not making this up, but he's not making this up. This is absolute fact. 26-year-old White House national security advisors who have never had any experience in national security. You understand, a deputy national security advisor right now, Ben Rhodes, a master's in fictional writing and fine arts. That's what his education is. It's an Alice in Wonderland administration that has no idea what the threat to America is. And Americans are wise to that. This is what Gorka said. Carlson then asked Gorka about the popular liberal notion that closing Guantanamo Bay detention camp would increase America's national security posture. No. Do you know what a major recruiting tool for ISIS and all global jihadists is? This is what he asked uh, Tucker. The fact that America exists, democracy, liberty, the principles of the founding fathers, that's a recruiting tool because they hate us. Now, I'm a, you know, I'm a fast reader, and, uh, and I'm, I'm one of those people. I, look, I, I love to read. You know, I just love to read. It, it's call me weird. I don't know. I just, I just, I enjoy it. Um, I don't have the kind of time to read a bunch of fluff. 
I just I don't I don't I don't have that kind of time. I'm a very busy guy. Um, and just I just don't have time. I mean I, I look and I don't say that like I'm any more important than anybody else. I'm not any more important than anybody else, and I don't want you to think that I I think that I am. I don't think that I am. But ultimately, it comes down to this: that hey, I'm I'm a busy guy. You guys are busy people, and we're all busy people. We're all in this together, and and so we're tr- we're trying to do what we need to do to uh, to rock and roll in the world. So when I spend time, hang on, just one second here, <coughs> man, I'm thirsty. You know, I don't drink, um, this is a sports drink. I don't drink it very much, but my son gave it to me. It actually doesn't taste too bad, but it's kind of sugary. But I got plenty of water, good green water. So anyway, look, we're all busy. Everybody's busy. I don't know. I don't know a not busy person. That's right, Jerry. I do need an excess. You're right. You're absolutely right. I hope you're feeling better. Jerry from Pennsylvania was under the weather a little bit. We're hoping and praying that he's feeling better. By the way, the Gorka briefing, folks, if, if you want to be in the inside information, you want to be in, the way to do it is to sign up for the Gorka briefing. It, it, is, it is extraordinary. The fact that he gives out this kind of content blows my mind. It's, it's really, really something I, I just can't even be, believe it that he does it. Hey, while I'm thinking of it, and because I bumped my head on it, Tonight, uh, I'm going to be on, I said 7 p.m., but I think I'm going to, I think that's when I go live. But uh, Kel Fritzy does a show, uh, which is really, really amazing. And if you go to Blog Talk Radio, or not a Blog Talk Radio, if you go to uh, com or TheNinjaPastor.com, the blog post on this show that I'm doing right now, there'll be a link there. And, it, and I'm going to be interviewed uh, by the great Kel Fritzy and and it's going to be fun. I've been on before, and, and um, she wants to talk about some some powerful stuff, and, and I love talking about that, and I love to unpack stuff uh, just right in your face. I, loved, I love it to be the real deal. Um, you know, that, that's what I like. Uh, so go to that. There's a link there. It'll take you right to the announcement. You can create a reminder. It's essentially right after this. Her show starts right as my show ends. So... Um, you know, I'd love for you to listen to that. That'd be great. And then remember to put comments on, on her website. It really does make a difference. I, also, while I'm thinking of it, um, centerforselfgovernance.com, the great Mark Herr, uh, he'll be uh, here in Delaware, the state of Delaware, to teach again. Uh, on Sunday, he'll be in a home in Middletown, Delaware, teaching the state of Delaware constitution class. Now, remember, state of Delaware is the first state. This is kind of how it all got started. And look, this is a critical opportunity for you. If you live in Delaware or somewhere near Delaware, this is a great opportunity for you to learn the truth about our foundations and and how we can use that truth. That really, to be honest, through my experience, uh, having worked with CSG, that's what we call Center for Self-Governance, they don't know. They They just don't know. The politicians, they don't know the Constitution. So... And by the way, you don't have to be a CSG student to, to, to do it, but you do have to register. It's $25, uh, five to eight. It'll be very comfortable, very, you know, you'll be very safe, very comfortable. But uh, it is $25, and you do have to register. There's very limited seating. Then Monday and Tuesday, there'll be a level one and level two class down in Dover, Delaware. So you should really, really think about doing that. Uh, don't think too long because I'm telling you right now, um, the seats are going to go quickly. 
So you want to sign up, you know, today when you get off there. Listen, we have Dr. Gorka with us, and, and we're honored, Dr. Gorka, that you would take the time to join us today. And I know you're a super busy guy. How are you today? Good, good, good. Um, but thanks for having me on your show. Oh, are you kidding? It's it's fun. I always crack up, uh, and I, just in full disclosure, whenever you're on television or, or whenever I hear you talk, um, I laugh because the – a lot of times the, you know, the TV people, they're trying to kind of get a sound bite. They're trying to, you know, the people that type up the little Chiron that goes across the bottom, the crawler, yep. they want to get some sort of thing to catch you in something. And they think you're not going to say something um, powerful or they, they're going to try to trick you in some way to say something that they can, oh, look at this. But really and truly, everything you say is in their face. And so I imagine you break a lot of fingers, not intentionally, of course, of the people typing those chirons out, because basically everything you say is worth a headline. And uh, so I appreciate your, your honesty and what you do. And that's kind of why I wanted to have you on the show, because you do it differently than other people out there. And uh, I read your book, the, uh, you know, Defeating Jihad, The Winnable War, and I was astounded, quite frankly. I bought it on Kindle, so sorry for the lack of profit there. I, I have a book that is also on Kindle, and I know that um, profit on that's pretty low. But but the fact of the matter is, it was cool to be able to get it, you know, in a in a click and and to be able to read it. And I was astounded at how politically incorrect the book is, but how you, know, you have a PhD, it's put in such a way that is just frankly extraordinarily simple. Um, and one of the things that you say, and I'm going to talk to you about how you came to this position uh, with, with what you're doing now, uh, but you say, on a more operational level, all Americans need to understand and accept the reality that they are now on the front line of a war with an enemy that cannot be negotiated with or, national, or rationally deterred. I'm going to say that one more time for our listeners. On a more operational level, all Americans need to understand and accept the reality that they are now on the front line of a war with an enemy that cannot be negotiated with or rationally deterred. What led you to say that? What was the, what was the impetus for that? Well, thank you for your, your kind comments. Um, yes, I, I wrote uh, Defeating Jihad because we have no more time for political correctness. Um, I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm an American now, and I'm fed up with America being at war for 15 years. And with us losing the war and and the quote you just read it's very simple you just look at the facts if you if you jettison the political correctness if you if you ditch the fantasy um, narrative that the White House and the president is trying to peddle you have to understand that America is at war and the war is on our doorstep in the last two years since the Islamic State declared the reestablishment of the caliphate we have killed or arrested 107 people in America linked to ISIS. Not seven, not 27, 107. And every American out there, every one of your listeners, their families and friends, have to understand that there is no classical front line in this war. This isn't like World War One. This isn't like World War Two or Gulf One. The, the front line starts when you leave your house in the morning. Just look at San Bernardino. Look at Orlando. The war is real, and the war is here. 
I like what you said. They are being waged here in America. And again, this is from a really, really tremendous book by Dr. Sebastian Gorka, Defeating Jihad, The Winnable War. There's links on my website. We'll give you websites that they uh, – you can get it anywhere. Uh, it's it's pretty widely available, and it's already a bestseller. But you, you write in the book, they are being waged here in America on the streets of New York and Boston at naval installations in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and on army bases in Texas. As I hope I have made clear, the jihadists want to kill infidels here in America as much as they want to purge the impure from the territory of the caliphate they have established in the Middle East. This means you, your loved ones, and your neighbors and your colleagues are all potential targets of terrorist attack here in the United States, and you should prepare accordingly. Now, um, you go on to talk about uh, being a concealed carry, per, uh, you know, pursue a concealed carry permit if you uh, have the mental fortitude and your local government permits it, which I love. You know, I've carried a gun professionally uh, since 1983 in the executive protection business and as a police officer and, and other functions. And um, I like that you're bold enough to say that. That's such a lightning rod. Sadly, it's a lightning rod today. And you say this publicly you've said it on cnn you've said it on all these different channels that you've been on and it's just a rarity it's rare that somebody nowadays will say hey you know what you should do you should get a gun if you've got the mind for it you should get a gun but you but what i like what you say after that is look if you're not comfortable with legally carrying a weapon you still have a role to play in this war as we've seen jihadists are not random in their actions they follow a strategy laid out by the likes of Qutb. Azam and Malik, and they use tactics learned from jihadist publications, such as Inspire and Dabiq, uh, terrorists prepare their attacks. So you, as, uh, as well as anything, by the way, I found your, your uh, dedication particularly touching. Uh, Colonel Nick Pratt, truest warrior scholar I've ever met in the pastures of Flight 93, who fought and died to save total strangers for the two seals of Benghazi, Tyrone Woods, uh, and Glenn Doherty, who I, by the way, I, I knew Glenn Doherty, men ordered to stand down who instead ran toward the gunfire and to Polly and Zussi for loving me and showing me why we fight. Look, you're obviously one of the most highly sought internationally respected experts on Islam and terrorism, but this is such a specific thing that you do. How in the world, I mean, this is, you're a subject matter expert across, uh, you know, the, the terrorism and Islam. And it's, but it's unique and it's relatively uncommon. What led you to this in your life? What led you to select this to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to become an expert in this. Well, how long do we have? It's, it's a rather circuitous route that I took. So I was a long-haired philosophy and theology student in college in London. And every two weeks, uh, a buddy of ours used to disappear for the whole weekend. And he never told us where he was going. And one weekend, I said to him, no, you're coming out with us this weekend he said I can't I've got to go and I asked him okay where are you going and he refused to tell me and he said why don't you come with me so I said okay and basically on a dare I went with my buddy to the headquarters of the uh, military intelligence corps of the British Army Reserves and he was a member of the reserves it was a selection weekend uh, I rolled up did the selection passed, loved a bunch of eclectic crazy British reservists around me and uh, I dabbled in uh, counterterrorism and intelligence in the reserves for a few years. Then after 9-11, the great Colonel Nick Pratt, U.S. Army Marine, uh, left us far too early, invited me to teach counterterrorism for UCOM out of uh, the Marshall Center in Germany. And then my American wife said, uh, it's time to come home. So we moved to America, and I spent six years as a DOD civilian, 
teaching the master's degree in irregular warfare at National Defense University. And ever since, I've had the amazing honor to assist our warfighters at SOCOM, at Bragg, and also the FBI in trying to understand the enemies we face today. So it's been a circuitous route, but uh, I, I would pay to do this job. Well, we thank you for doing it. Um, I, you know, I've got to ask you, uh, and, and that's a very interesting path. You're right. Is we have as much time as you have. Uh, the fact of the matter is, um, you. It's interesting to me, and I think it's interesting to a lot of other people, that you are very clear in what the issue is, and we're going to go through a list of those. Uh, what you think is the most important uh, problem facing America today. Uh, but it's it's interesting to me that you taught at all these vaunted uh, uh, institutions, and 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 you're teaching the truth to our our SOCOM people and and our different military leaders. Yet, our our this administration, and I think to to a great degree, this this government, the United States government, is afraid or unwilling or purposefully deceptive. You pick. As to who the enemy is, calling out the enemy, naming the enemy, the, the thing that stuns me, how do you feel when you work so hard to teach uh, our, our soldiers and, and our warfighters um, the truth about Islam and terrorism, but, you, but they don't hear that from the, the leaders in the administration and in government, and, and, but then they also get pressure from the people in the military above them to say, no, we've got to take... We've got to take jihad out of all the manuals. We've got to, we've got to take, you know, we've got to take certain words out of our vernacular, our training vernacular, because you know they they could be offensive to people. How does that feel to be a guy who works so hard to try to save American lives, and yet the very administration who leads, you know, the organizations where you teach, are are kind of working against you? Well, thank you for the question. Uh, of course, it, it frustrates me greatly. But it, it motivates me because these are the people, and, you know, thank you for your service. It's, it's the Leos, it's the pavement pounders, it's the, it's the warfighters who must, therefore, get more of this information because uh, the general officer corps, with the odd exception, is over-politicized, and their political masters, the guys in the expensive suits in, inside the beltway, as you say, they are executing a political censorship of reality, which endangers all Americans, not just those who wear a uniform or carry a badge. So, you know, it, 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 it makes me all the more motivated to, to get up in the morning and, and help these guys out, because if you don't know who the enemy is, and if you can't talk honestly about the enemy, we will lose this war. Yeah, uh... It brings me to one of my questions. As Americans, you say in the book, you write in the book, as Americans, we've all heard the misquoted Sun Tzu, know your enemy if you wish to win. But the quote really goes on to indicate we must also know ourselves if we wish to win. Why don't we actually know ourselves? Why don't we as a, as a country know ourselves? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, a couple of reasons. During World War II, it was clear uh, because our leadership told us uh, we were told day in and day out by the president, by Roosevelt, by Truman, by theater commanders, by, by the lowliest second lieutenant, that we are on the side of the angels and the enemy was evil. Uh, the same thing pertained during the Cold War. Remember, Ronald Reagan said it the best. We are facing an evil empire. 
and, and as a result, we understood what we stand for and who threatens us and what the stakes of the game are. The 1990s uh, led to an era of strategic confusion. We didn't really understand how the world operated after the fall of the Soviet Union. And then 9-11 came, slapped us in the face, and we had almost instantly, even under the Bush administration, which is really sad, we had this um, political uh, meme superimposed on reality that religion has nothing to do with this war. Jihad is, it doesn't mean holy war. And as a result, we, we lost our way. And, and, and one last component, which is a bit of a philosophical one, but, but if you bear with me, it's important. Uh, I learned this as a DOD civilian about two years into the war, and I actually learned it from a student of mine. Uh, I don't really care which god you pray to. I don't care if you're a Buddhist, a Christian, a Zoroastrian. It really doesn't matter to me uh, that much. But the fact is, if you don't have faith, any kind of faith, you will never understand our enemy and the threat to America. If you, if you don't watch the jihadi videos in their unedited version and see a man take seven minutes to manually sever the head of another human being in the name of his God, then you don't understand how dedicated they are to us and how the only way this war will end is if they defeat us or we defeat them. So it has to do with philosophy, with grand strategy, and, and the history of the last 25 years. Yeah, I've seen that up close and personal. And, and I'll tell you, you know, with the, the high production value, uh, these people, look, the, the, the Muslims, uh, Islamic jihadis, they, the people that we're fighting, our enemy, isn't stupid. Uh, because they, you know, they worship a culture of death while we're fighting for life, they, you know, it, it changes them not to die. It only elevates them. So while we're clinging to ways to stay alive and find reason for why they are the way that they are, unfortunately, while we're – and I teach this. I travel around the country teaching different topics, and one of them is, is personal executive security. And I explain to people, listen, you've got to change your mindset because while you're in the grasp of a bad guy, and saying to yourself, why are you doing this? And you're screaming out, please, why, why, why are you doing this? You're in the process of being murdered. And, and they don't have a sound answer for why. It just matters that we have to be alert and aware. You, you, you mentioned some questions. Why are you going to war? What are you fighting for? Uh, and, and, and studying the culture and the ways of our foes, look, we've got to know them. We've got to be very familiar, intimately familiar, as you say, with their thinking. But you've got to be asked – you. you and these are questions really and truly I, I don't think are anti-war because I'm, I'm as hawkish as they get, but I am unwilling to send more of my buddies uh, who I regularly go visit in Arlington and other places coming up on the 10-year anniversary of my dear sister Debbie Lee's loss of the First Navy SEAL, Mark Allen Lee, uh, First Navy SEAL in Iraq, uh, his, the anniversary of his death. He's been going 10 years, I think, tomorrow. Um, look, I, I go visit these graves of people I know and sons of people I know, and, and I'm, I'm unwilling to willy-nilly for some political gain to send people off to die. And you ask it very plainly, what do I represent? What am I prepared to risk blood and treasure for? And why exactly am I going to war? And you sum that up with, if you cannot answer these questions, then you should not be going to war at all. So, which brings me to the next question is, is what do you think is the most serious, the most pressing? The, 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 if, if Dr. Sebastian Gorka was suddenly the president of the United States, 
which, by the way, I support. Uh, but if you were the president of the United States suddenly today, what is the first problem you'd work on? Well, it's nice to uh, do an interview with somebody who's clearly read the book, and thank you for the vote of confidence. You'd have to change the Constitution for me to be the commander-in-chief. But if I, if I was advising the, the, the next president, um, the very first thing we have to do is we have to understand that the enemy is incarnate evil. They're not yes. people who are unemployed, want a job, their daddy didn't hug them, or any of the other things we've heard. They are evil. So we have to talk truthfully about who they are. Secondly, we have to understand that it really shouldn't be white-skinned or black-skinned Americans who are the face of this war. This isn't a war with Islam because some of our best allies, and I've worked very close with them, are Muslims, like the Jordanians, like the Egyptians. They are the ones that are at greatest risk. They're being killed in far greater numbers than, than Jews or Christians or anybody else. We have to help them destroy ISIS. But the only way that's ever going to happen is if we we deploy our troops as trainers, as advisors, to be the spine of a Sunni coalition that will close with ISIS and destroy them. That is the only way that we're going to win this war. It's not America's war. It's the war inside Islam. But we have to help the good guys win. And to to be honest with you, as somebody who travels in the region, has worked closely with these guys, they don't trust us anymore. And you know what? If I were a Jordanian SF guy or an Egyptian uh, you know, infantry guy, I wouldn't trust us either after the last seven and a half years. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. You know, many Americans, because of the political pressure to be politically correct, um, they're, now they're afraid to say anything. You know, see something, say something. Because they're afraid to say anything because, quite frankly, after they see something, because they're afraid of being called a bigot or a racist or some other stupid name, um, they, they don't say anything. But you say in your book, and, and I thought this was quite articulate, they often take months, sometimes years, as in the case of the 9-11 attacks, to gather information on their targets, to surveil and understand patterns of life and security protocols before they finalize their plan and move into the final phase of operation. It's simply not enough to engage them with force once they've initiated their attack. Often it will be too late, especially when they use covert means, such as the pressure cooker bombs employed by the Sarnayev brothers, which I know, by the way, you were very involved in that case, uh, to attack the spectators of the Boston Marathon. It is far better to catch them in the act of collecting the intelligence they need to prepare their plan of attack. All our citizens, therefore, should walk through life in a deliberate manner focused on what is happening around them, looking for what is odd or out of place as opposed to just staring at their mobile phone. Man, I am with you, brother. The thing is, you got to have your head on a swivel, as peace officers like to say. Take their motto, see something, say something seriously. Do not be afraid to tell the local police if you notice something untoward, which you give an example. A person filming a building that is obviously not a tourist attraction or neighbors performing activities in their garage late at night with groups of strangers. If the locals of the San Bernardino uh, area had acted when they saw similar behavior from the jihadi couple responsible for the Christmas party massacre in December 2015, that attack might have been thwarted. Be tactically aware and you may say li- save lives. The problem with that, during the interviews, and I agree with you, I absolutely agree with you, I live my life that way, I travel all over the country teaching this, and, and we are in complete agreement, but now we have this very strange and very insidious problem, and, and that is this, the strange and insidious problem that we have is now all of a sudden you can't say something because you're going to be a bigot. 
you're going to be in some way, some shape, or some form a racist. They love to say racist, even though the religious, political, and military ideology of Islam is not a race. It's like you said, it's white skin, it's dark skin, it's in-between skin. Uh, there's just simply no way to know, you know, what we're dealing with here. You, you can't just look at somebody and go, oh, yeah, they're a jihadi. But the fact of the matter is, if you see something, you got to say something. But now, who do we say something to? Because the people that were interviewed that were neighbors of the San Bernardino couple, they were – you could tell they felt horrible. And when they were asked, actually, I think it was uh, Waters, uh, old Philly boy from right near here, um, Waters interviewed them from Fox News, and he said, you know, can I ask you, why didn't you say something? And they said, we didn't want to be, we didn't want to be bad people. We didn't want to be, you know, we don't want to be pointing fingers. We didn't want to be in some way, shape or form bigots. You know, we didn't want to be, you know, religious zealots. I'm not even religious. I just, I just felt like, what if I'm wrong? Or or what if I suddenly get on some sort of list? How do we defeat that? Uh, I'm sorry. There's, there's no comfortable answer. We defeat it by having a spine. Uh, we have to stand up. Are, are you going to surrender to the power of political correctness, which is really censorship? It's really political correctness is a nice word for fascism. It's what George Orwell spoke about. It's political correctness is when somebody else tells you what you are allowed to say and what you are not allowed to say. I'm not prepared to surrender to political correctness because lives will be lost if we continue to do so. I, look, I have a lot of issues with Mr. Trump, but I commend him uh, wholeheartedly on, on one issue. He, his whole message and the phenomena of Donald Trump is based upon the rejection of political correctness, and that's why I think he's doing so very well, because people realize enough is enough. People are dying. We've got to stop it. The idea that we're going to defeat the enemy with love, like the Attorney General of the United States said, well, I'd like her to say that to the widows, to the relatives of the people killed in Orlando, in San Bernardino, to the parishioners who saw that French Catholic priest beheaded in front of his altar. The the time for political correctness is over. Admiral McRaven, it's funny that you bring that up because Admiral McRaven, some dear friends of mine and friends of the show, um, the uh, and, 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 you know, Extortion 17, I, I almost hate to say it because now this far after it, so many people don't even have any clue what that what that was. Um, but in Extortion 17, um, this this was a betrayal on so many levels, uh, just just an egregious betrayal of so many things. And Karen and Billy Vaughn, dear friends of mine, they lost their great son, SEAL Team 6, uh, Dev Grew, Gold Team, uh, Aaron Carson Vaughn. Um, I visit his grave often in, in Arlington, and I, I, take him some, I take him some monster, and I take him some, uh, some Swedish fish, and I lay him down there, and I say a prayer at his headstone. He believes in Christ, so he's in heaven. But the fact of the matter is, is I lament. I lament his as, me, as well as many others killed that day in extortion 17 and Admiral McRaven, uh, you know, himself, a, a Navy SEAL had the unmitigated gall to say to Billy and Karen Vaughn just below the, uh, the bleachers there after a, after a memorial service, 
that look, we you know we're always bringing up to them this this ridiculous rules of engagement foisted upon our warfighters uh, by the yeah, and and I'll just I'll be honest with you, I'm not an apologist for um, for the Bush family, uh, either of the Bush presidents, and I have to say it wasn't as bad under President Bush, but I do have to say I have to caveat that with the statement that it could have been way better. This, this rules of engagement has been a snowball um, and it's terrible because, and, and you know, uh, you know, that we don't have time to explain to the, the whole audience about all the different things that have to happen before you can squeeze the trigger or, or press the, the, you know, explosive device or send a missile. It's so many things and, and it's ridiculous, but it's costing so many lives. The fact of the matter is, is Admiral McRaven had the nerve there right after that uh, service excuse me, to say to Karen and Billy Vaughn, who just lost their son, look, we've got to go to Afghanistan and and Iraq and around the world and win the hearts and minds of our enemy. And as you said, these people are evil. There's no winning their hearts and minds. There's no turning them. If a person can so quickly be turned to become a jihadi, if they can be, and I hate this term too, radicalized so quickly uh, as, as they're telling us, oh, he was radicalized in only 20 months. Then, then you have to accept the fact that you're, the, the inverse is true. You're not going to turn them around. You wrote this, and, and I, I love it. I absolutely love this book. In America, you've got to get this book, Defeating Jihad, The Winnable War by Dr. Sebastian Gorka. He is our uh, guest today, and we're, we're pleased to have him. You provide an outline, and this is what a lot of other people don't do, and, and this is what sets you apart. You provide an outline of what the incoming president must do to defeat jihad. But more than that, you provide an outline of a strategy to defeat the global jihadist movement. And this is something that's available to everybody. You say, well, what, are, you know, what should we be doing? Well, ask no more. He wrote it in a book. This is what he did, and it's available to anybody. You wrote, the president who seeks Barack Obama, uh, you know, seeks to unseat him, uh, or seeks to uh, su- succeeds Barack Obama, will have, a, have to face a global jihadist movement that is stronger than ever. He or she will need to hit the ground running if Americans are to be kept safe and our allies and partners are strengthened. Hoping that a new administration may decide to take this threat, threat seriously, I have condensed the main conclusions of this book and short points that you can use to evaluate candidates for the public office. So the first thing you do, uh, and it makes sense to do it, is domestic measures. What are some of the things that you think the president of the United States, whoever he or she is, oh, God forbid, please don't let it be Clinton. But whoever he or she is, what do they need to do day one? What do they need to start on day one and really hit the ground running? Well, one, one of the things that we've covered already is to get politics out of the threat assessment. There can't be any more censorship and any more discussion of what you can or cannot say. If the enemy says they're a jihadi, they're a jihadi. So that's step number one. Then it starts to get a little bit technical. The, the, this war is ultimately a human intelligence challenge. Uh, our tier one operators will take, will continue to take the fight to the bad guys in theater if we give them the requisite uh, rules of engagement. But to stop the attacks happening in America, it's, it's not really you know, a function of more NSA intercepts. We're, we're collecting more data. You're actually making the haystack bigger. The way to prevent the next attack is to have human undercover assets in the local communities, whether it's in the mosque, 
in the Bangladeshi community, in the Somali community, that can identify these people before they go kinetic. And in fact, there's an incredible template out there. Um, after 9-11, the NYPD and the mayor of New York basically decided that the federal government had betrayed the people of New York and dropped the ball, and that's why 9-11 happened. So what did they do? They took the NYPD from being a classic law enforcement organization and turned it into one of the world, and I mean the world, one of the world's very best uh, counterterrorism intelligence organizations. And they did so uh, in a way that, that developed new methodologies, new forms of human intelligence gathering. The NYPD is the way to go. We have to implement on a federal scale exactly those kinds of uh, programs and initiatives that Mayor de, Blasio, Mayor de Blasio is trying to close down as we speak. How do we fight that? How do we fight him closing that down? I mean, it's one thing to say that he's doing it, which we know, of course, that he is. He's trying to thwart. I mean, he stopped uh, stop, uh, question and frisk. A lot of people selectively edit out question. Uh, stop question and frisk. He stopped that. He, he and and you know there there was really very little human cry over that. Uh, well, look, the Blasio's returning dignity to the streets of New York. Meanwhile, my daughter is in New York all the time. She just spent an extended period of time there, and the streets are far dirtier. Uh, you, you know, it, the crime is is surging. All, all of these things, which which we thinking people can easily predict. I mean, if you, if you can evaluate data, then you can, you can arrive at, well, if you, if you stop doing what worked to fight crime, more crime is going to happen. But the question is, how, what do we do as regular people? What do we do to, how do we apply pressure on the mayor's office of, you know, and this guy is, you know, hardcore, hard, he's, he's a hard left turn. Uh, how do you apply pressure to somebody like that? Because well, it's well, political. Remember, I mean, he, we don't want it to be political, but it's political. Yeah, I mean, just remember, he's he's not a he's not a bureaucrat. He's a politician. How how do you put pressure on a politician? You you make them uncomfortable, uncomfortable, and you make them believe they're going to lose their next election, or you replace them with somebody who cares. Or all of this, you know, it's easy to criticize. It's easy to complain. Uh, who elected him? We right. If you're not right. if you're not happy, do something about it. If you're worried about, let's pick a topic: refugee resettlement into your local uh, community. Hmm. What are you, what are you doing about it? Are you going to the local county meetings? Are you going to the council meetings? Are you making your voice heard, or are you moaning and complaining at the barbecue with your neighbors or right. around the office water cooler? It's it's the same old same old. All big all big problems all of them in the world, whether it's the threat of nuclear war with the Soviets, the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, Grenada, Al-Qaeda, it doesn't matter who, who, what it is, it all boils down to leadership. If the leadership is inadequate, you've got to get rid of them or give them the, put, squeeze them until they feel the pressure and they change their ways. Those are the only ways to defeat them. I agree. One of the, uh, one of the organizations I'm affiliated with is called Center for Self Governance. The Center for Self Governance, absolutely an extraordinary organization. And what we do there is we teach step by step for people to become keepers of the republic. Um, and and really and truly, at, at this stage, we're 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 on the edge of instead of being keepers of the republic, we we have to now fight to get the republic back. 
it's it's that far gone because people you're you're absolutely right. Look, you can be at your barbecue and you can be at the water cooler and you can be on Facebook and Twitter and all these other social media outlets and you can whine and moan and complain to each other and you can post memes on this and that, exposing this and that. But until you leave your computer screen or leave your job or leave, you know, the backyard and, and go to legislative hall, get plugged in with all different levels of the electorate, you listen, you, the elected offices, you're just talking to air because they don't care about your Facebook posts. They don't care about your tweets. They don't care about getting retweeted a hundred thousand times. They don't care about that. What they care about is pressure that's in their face and intentional and unrelenting. And and that's the only thing that I, I believe will ever, ever make a change. But people are afraid so to do about, it. Think, think about one thing. This is, you know, inside uh, of baseball from uh, D.C. If you write a letter to your elected representative or your senator, one letter in the internal mathematics on Capitol Hill is registered in their book as the equivalent of 200 phone calls. Yeah. And, I tell people, people all the time. They, yeah. They, 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 don't, they don't realize that. Sitting down with a, with, with a pen and paper or at your word processor and writing to your senator, your representative, when that letter lands on his desk about whatever it issue is, it is, they log that letter as the equivalent of 200 phone calls made on that issue to the same representative. Use that power. You see, America, that we have people that listen around the world. We have a little over 600,000 listeners, and it, it is amazing to me because I say this very, very frequently, the same thing. Listen, folks, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You, you said it in your book in multiple places. We're all on the front lines now. We've got to let go of this notion. Well, a, a term I really, really despise, uh, being uh, a tactical person and a person with extensive experience in this arena, shelter in place is, is not a strategy. It's simply not a strategy. Um, because the police, as, as they are driving sirens blaring, to the scene of whether it's Orlando or San Bernardino or any of the other places when they're on the way and they're getting fed information through a funnel uh, of, and I was a police officer and, and a military person and, a, and a, uh, an NGO. And, and I can, I can say absolutely without question, look, the, every, all the information they're getting is being fed through a, a funnel that includes a political funnel. Because they know the 9-11 tapes are going to, 911 tapes are going to be listened to. They know they're going to be scrutinized, which, of course, now we know that in Florida, they're also going to be altered and redacted and uh, different things that happen. So that's a perfect example of, of the population of an area or the country, you know, as a whole. I'm saying, whoa, 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 what is, well, hold on a second. You are, you're redacting things? You what exactly did you cut out here? Because we want to know the truth of our enemy. We don't want to know what you politically are comfortable saying. And so, so many Americans, not just the press, so many Americans really hammered them, hammered the FBI, hammered the local, hammered, hammered the regional, uh, whatever political subdivision they were on it. And they, and they were all over it. And they said, look, you, you've got to tell us the truth. We're not trying to hear a bunch of redactions and changes, making changes to an official 911 tape, it's just, it's just inexcusable. It's egregious. So that said, you know, we were successful there, and, 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 and ultimately 
uh, they'll do it again. I think, quite frankly, it was a test, Dr. Gorka. Uh, I think it was a test to see what we would, what we would, and I hate to say it this way, but fall for. What would we permit? How much of a flogging will we allow before we say, oh, no, you're not going to do this to me. I want to know the truth and, and force, force them to tell the truth. You, uh, you, you, you say some things uh, toward the end of the book that I think are extraordinary. Uh, the whole book, folks, um, Defeating Jihad, The Winnable War, you've got to get this book on our website, theninjapastor.com. DrSeanGreener.com. You can go to Dr. Gorka's site. You can sign up for the Gorka briefing. It is free. It's extraordinary. Um, you're going to hear and understand things that aren't designed to get you to click on this and that. There's not a bunch of pop-ups. You go to that site. It's super clean. It's super informative. Uh, whoever does your web work is extraordinary. And the fact of the matter is you will be able to retrieve powerful information quickly simply and easily, and you're going to be able to digest that information because it's not done. This guy, you know, Dr. Gorka, he, he has an awful lot of education and an awful lot of world-class experience. But when you, when you read uh, the, the briefings and you watch the videos and all these different things, it's, it's meant to be understood by everyone. It's intended to be understood by everyone. And, and that's the difference. You know, that is the difference. You talk about international measures, the policy elite and the Defense Department. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to pop smoke. Can, can, can we continue this uh, at another juncture? Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, thank you very much for joining us, and I sure appreciate it. Uh, I know our audience does as well, and uh, we look forward to joining you again, and, and be safe out there. It's been a great pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. Well, there you have it, America. By the way, pop smoke. I don't. I don't know if you know what that means, but that's a uh, warfighter reference. Uh, essentially, what that is is there's a, a canister that if you uh, if you're getting a dust off or the or the helicopter's coming for you to uh, evacuate you, you pop smoke. You pull this canister, you throw it into the opening, and um, and that's where the land. Or popping smoke could be if you're trying to get out of a situation where people are shooting at you. You want to create a screen. Uh, smoke screen, if you will, you um, you just pop smoke and roll. So we're very pleased to have uh, Dr. Gorka spend the time with us. If, if you look into, you'll, you'll simply understand that um, the guy is just constantly being sought. It's literally every every minute. And we're we're just really pleased to. Yeah, you're right, Jerry. Jerry from Pennsylvania said, great guy. Glad to have him on our side. And isn't that a fact? It's good to have good people on our side. So one of the things he says in his book, uh, just look at the last three years. First, we have this red line that could not be crossed by uh, Bashar Assad. And I talked about this with him on there, but it's one more point I wanted to make. Nothing happened. Then we had to train Syrian fighters. What happened there? We canceled it after we spent a half a billion dollars to train what we could verify as five fighters. We have our desperate attempt by the administration to support the Shia extremists with a nuclear deal. Now we have the Secretary of State who, who uh, worked on that deal. Um, I, I call him Lurch. I mean, this guy has more um, – wow, he was on um, – wow, he's on for 45 minutes. That's, he, he had agreed to 30 minutes, so we're pleased that he spent the extra time, and, um, and, and we're pleased that you took the time to listen. So – you, you might be, you know, Lurch is, uh, is Secretary of State right now, and, and he, he actually came out and said that air conditioners 
are the, the, a greater threat, threat to us than Islamic terrorism. Now, we'll laugh at that, and we'll spread, we'll spread all kinds of memes. We'll show his goofy face, and I'm not making fun of somebody's face in general. Look, you've seen my face. You know I, could, I have nothing to, nothing to laugh at anybody else about. But this guy intentionally distorted his, his countenance by trying to slow the, the, uh, the scourge of aging or by a bunch of, a bunch of uh, Botox. And, and quite frankly, it has failed miserably, as it does in, in I would say, 99% of the cases. Um, he wasn't beautiful to start with, and he's certainly difficult to look at now. But this guy, Lurch, Secretary of State Lurch, he, he actually had the nerve to say that. And we get all Twitter-pated. We get all fired up, and we say, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something about this. And so we go, to, we go to Facebook, we go to social media, we go to all these places, and we say, you know, hey, this can't stand. But we stay at the water cooler. We stay in our backyard barbecue. We don't, we don't get in their face. You say, well, I can't go talk to the Secretary of State. I don't have that kind of power. Are you kidding me? But yes, you can. You heard what Dr. Gorka said, and I've been saying it for a long time, a letter is worth 200 phone calls. Why? Because any letter received has to be logged. It has to be um, microfished, not microfished, but uh, scanned. You know, it's, it's got a, they, their requirements on them, and it makes a difference. So what if, and I've, and I've led a movement called uh, hashtag million happy warriors, one million happy warriors, and, and you don't have to be, you don't put threats in your letters. You don't do all those things. And you follow up on your letter. You follow up on your letter with a phone call, and then you follow up with another letter. And you tell all your friends, hey, man, don't let me be in this fight by myself. Get in it with it. Get in this, get in this fight with me. Because it's our country. So they sold us down the river with this nuclear deal. Uh, Secretary of State Clinton, former Secretary of State Clinton, presidential candidate, Hillary Clinton, has, you know, if you think Lavoie Fenecum was killed because he scared some federal police officers and, and occupied some land. Did the Occupy Wall Street people not scare anybody? Did they not occupy private property? Why did that not matter? We sent them money, we sent them food, we sent them water, we put up porta potties. They have, it, was, it was for such a long time. They were in the left place like a crap hole. Lavoy Finnecum and his band of freedom fighters, they made the place better. And it was their land to start with. So he gets murdered by the feds, and what happens? We don't really say anything. Yeah, there's a couple Facebook groups, and you know, and and uh, like like many of other people, I helped to raise money for the family, uh, you know, to bury him and and to give him the the send off that that he deserved. But frankly, if there was a if there were a thousand happy warriors there that day, he would have never been murdered. In fact, there would be no roadblock. They'd say, hey, we can stop one, we can stop five, but we can't stop a thousand. But there wasn't because we don't realize, we, we cognitively disconnect. We cognitively disconnect by saying, hey, I'm so busy, I can't do it. I can't get plugged in. But listen, that, all of that there happened in Oregon and Washington State. All that stuff happened because there's uranium and, and ore under the ground where they are, and they want to lock all of that down. And you say, man, our government can't be like that. It can't possibly be like that. It can't possibly be true. We can't possibly have done that. That's treason. Well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. We've got to stop. Remember what I say all across the country when I teach people how to survive? I teach them 
to let go of the notion, why me? Why is this happening? Why, why, why? Take why out of the discussion, because when your life is at risk, while you're asking why to the person who is in the process of taking your life, you are making it easier for them to do. You cannot allow yourself, you cannot allow yourself to be lulled into thinking that the government can't do this. They can. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you know, it's not a conspiracy if it's true. And it could very well be a conspiracy that is also true. A conspiracy, a group of people coming together to do a nefarious act. That's true. If it's true, it's not a conspiracy that is untrue. It's true. And it happens. So, so where does that leave us? You've, you've got the very real fact that in Iran, they hate our guts. They want to kill us. They absolutely want to kill us. But what do they want more than anything? They want an easier way to kill more of us at one time. Because you see, to the leaders in Iran, they're nut jobs. They're absolute nut jobs. They are just, they're crazy people. They're evil, crazy people. And you say, well, that's not fair. Look, I know lots of Iranians who fled here. And they love America. They have flags all over the house. They cry when they sing the national anthem. They thank God for the day. They have pictures of them when they got their citizenship. They went through all the processes to become citizens. Expensive and time-consuming. They did all of it. But here's the crazy thing. You have members of our government who think so little of you and are worried so little of, of you and what you, what you pose to them that we went into this treasonous, and, and I, I hate to call it a I hate to call it a negotiation. It's not a negotiation. When you give them more than they were asking for, folks, that's not a negotiation. That's a sucker. Uh, it's just a, a sucker going to the table and saying, oh, how much do you want to pay for it? And they say, well, I'll give you 50 bucks. And you say, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a hardcore negotiator here. I'm going to give it to you for 10. And I'm going to throw some extra stuff. Ah, see how I did that negotiation thing I did right now? But see, if we don't get on the phones and we don't send letters – I mean, all the way up the line. And you say, well, I get those stupid letters back. That's, you can't focus on that. You can't focus on that. You have to learn the system. You have to know where to send the letters, how to address them. You have to learn what to say in the letters. That's why centerforselfgovernance.com, I'm telling you. I, I kid you not, I couldn't be more serious about it. And I do not get paid by them. In fact, I spend a lot of my own money helping them fight the good fight. That's reality, but you've got to get engaged. You've got to get plugged in. You can't be on the sidelines. You can't be. And, and look, Facebook is good for a lot of things. Uh, there, there's a lot of good in Facebook. I, I don't want you to, for a moment to think that I don't think social media doesn't have its place. It does. It is a way to spread information quickly. But you know what? Just as you can spread information quickly, you can spread wrong information, incorrect information quickly. And that becomes a brush fire. And you have these people on social media who I had to delete a guy who's an excellent author. He can really, really write. He's a young guy. He's kind of naive. He thinks he's more worldly than he is. But I had to delete the guy and unfriend him because he was constantly correcting everybody's grammar and not mine, of course, but everybody else's grammar. And then the first chance he saw where somebody had posted something that had been debunked, he made fun of them. And he said, you know, why would the left ever listen to us when, when we're idiots and posting stuff like this? And I, said, and I approached him privately and, and peacefully, and I said, look, man, you're a young guy. I understand. 
you know, you, you, your attention to detail is very high. But the fact of the matter is, is if we're all on the same team, we've got to treat each other well. We've got to treat each other with respect. We've got to help each other. We've got to be brothers and sisters, linked arms. And, and we, we, can't, we cannot, we absolutely cannot be a circular firing squad. It's just not going to work. It's going to make it harder. But when we learn the system through Center for Self-Governance, we learn the system. We learn. Listen, there's a lot of you that can't name your elected officials. Many of you can't name your mayor of your town. Many of you can't name the different uh, political subdivisions within your state. You don't know. You don't know if there's a regional government that answers to no one, by the way, and that combines people from local and state level and federal level with no oversight. You don't know that. You say, what do you mean? Doc, I don't know. Come to a Center for Self-Governance class and you're going to learn. You know, on the, on the show last week, I, uh, we were supposed to have Dr. Gorka on last week. And, and, uh, and unfortunately, you know, of course, he, he, he was supposed to be on, ended up being on television for pretty much the whole night. I don't know how the guy does it. I mean, he's just super busy. But, you know, you've got to know, I said this, you know, I gave you a lot of the definitions of, of, that impact us, that we live under. You've got to know your political subdivision. You've got to know who are the people that are in control of you. Who's holding the peanuts? You see, nobody holds my peanuts, man. I'm blah, blah, blah. Look, if you go to them, and let's say you go to church. All right, we'll, we'll take that as an example. You're a church-going person, and you're real, you're real excited every year when the uh, – when that little envelope comes out from your church, if you have a, if you attend a church that is uh, the type of church that, you know, the 501c3 and they, you know, they keep a record of all your donations, all your offerings and, and tithes. And then you get a little uh, statement at the end of the year. Uh, you're very eager to get, and they say, wow, you're super generous. You gave us $3,000. You get to deduct that off of your taxes. So you get a pittance back from the government, but what you've exchanged for that, and I mean, it's a pittance. You don't get the $3,000 back. You get a tiny, tiny percentage of that, micro percentage. It's ridiculous. But what you do is you say, hey, you are my controller. I'm ceding to you my power that comes from God. I'm, I'm giving to you what God gave me, my inalienable right, in order that you would give me back pennies on the dollar. But what you've done is you've, you've also ceded your right to complain because when it becomes a tax entity or a tax issue, guess what happens? Then you have said to the government, they get to have a say. It's just like uh, marriage and, and all that stuff. When, you, when, you, when it becomes a government thing, now all of a sudden they have a say. Religious people, I'm a Reverend Dr. Sean, come on, I'm pretty religious. Um, we, we want it both ways. We've got to stop this. I'm a big fan of churches that are not 501c3. That your donation, you know, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. But it's going to be without the eyes of the taxes on it because they're not going to tell us what to preach. They're not going to tell us what to say. They're not going to tell us how to act. They're not, they're not going to give us a list of subjects and demand our, our sermon notes. It's not going to happen. We say what we want to say. We, we're not ceding to you control. We're the elephant, but this chain around us is attached to this little tiny stick in the ground. But because we, since we're young, we think that they have the power, but we have the power. 
So how do you get it back? What do you do? You know, Dr. Gorka gave us re- reinstate and expand the federal human intelligence counterterrorism methods pioneered by the New York Police Department after 9-11. Listen, I know people in this. I've had people from there ask me for a job when I was running an executive protection team. To learn more about that, executiveprotectionteam.com. Uh, you know, I know all about their program. It was extraordinary. But, but Mayor de Blasio, he says, hey, you know what? Peeing in the street, let's not make that against the law. That, that seems so, I don't know, pressury. Um, you know, that's not right. So let's get rid of that law. But then at the same time, he gets rid of stop, question, and frisk. And, he, and he's attempting to close down the Human Intelligence Counterterrorism Division of the New York City Police Department. One of the most effective in the world. You heard Dr. Gorka speak about it. It's one of the most effective in the world. Extraordinary. Now, you you and I might look at that and we may say, well, I don't live in New York City. Now, I spend time in New York City, but I don't live there. And I don't like how the gun laws are there, that it's, it's a real pain in the neck to carry a gun in New York City. Anytime I protected anybody that was in New York City, I hated it. Because even if you get stopped and even if all your paperwork is in order, these guys are just doing their jobs. The men and women of the 35,000 uh, NYPD officers, you, they're just doing their job. The culture there is, hey, you know, we don't allow you to carry a gun, and if you're a person that has a gun, you're probably a criminal. Well, newsflash, usually only criminals, uh, they don't care about laws. They're, they're unmoved by our laws. They're unmoved by it. But the problem is, is everybody is, is unarmed. All the good people are unarmed. They say, well, this big number of people, you can't have people firing off rounds. You, you can't have people to, uh, you know, shoot somebody or shoot at somebody, what if they miss? Then they're going to, then, then, then what happens? Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is a conundrum. Train with it. You know, my opinion, killed 11 people. They killed 11 people on a side street in a shootout. They killed 11 innocent people. Did they intend to? No. They didn't. They didn't intend to. But you know what? That's what happened. But I want to ask you, if these bad guys hadn't got two steps out of where they were, what if, what if a good man or woman with a gun, with training and skillet arms, comfort and skillet arms, used that training to stop the bad guy? Before he gets to the street. What if? You see, we're, we're afraid of all these topics. We're afraid of all these things because we say, man, that's just, it's just weird. It's weird to carry a gun. It's, it's just, isn't that odd? I have a, I, since 1983, I've had a gun on me every day. It's not odd. If you're a good person with a sound mind and you're willing to submit to training, go get training. Get a gun. If you've got mental health issues or you're unstable or you're volatile, don't get a gun. Maybe stick with mace, pepper mace, or, or, or a stun gun if they're, for whatever reason, legally uh, permitted in your, uh, your political subdivision. Look, I, I'm just going to tell you this. It, it, it's, it's interesting to me. And, and it's any subject. I talked about Lurch, Secretary of State Lurch, how he 
you know, they, they did this deal with Iran, and, and, and all we're doing is talking to the television. We're looking back at the television going, no, this can't possibly be happening. And, oh, we can't have the details until it comes out. Oh, wait a second, it's come out, and we still can't have the details. Something that impacts our lives, our safety and security. But you know what? Nobody gets on the phone. Nobody writes a letter. Nobody gets in anybody's face, just like New York City. Nobody's in his face. There aren't tens of thousands of people at the, at the, every day at the door to the mayor's office making him put pressure on him. Tell him, well, you know, we're, we're 10,000 strong. We will keep you from getting reelected. In fact, you know, you keep ticking us off. We're going to get you impeached. We're going to impeach you. Yeah, that's a real thing, and it really does happen. I totally get frustration. I do. I'm frustrated, too. There are people that, that no longer come to our Kehala because they say even the amount of uh, political speak that you do, you know, in the question and answer um, is, is just too much. I, I can't. It's, it's not just you. It's, you know, it's, it's everywhere. And it just seems so hopeless. And I understand it. I get it. I get it. It's a tough thing, America. I'm, I'm telling you, it's a tough place to be. But you heard from Dr. Gorka, and you've heard it from me for years, and people that have invited me to come speak to their organization live and in person. I'll go anywhere in the United States. You pay my travel expenses, take a little collection, it's fine with me, depending on what type of organization it is. We do have a whole fee scale. If you're a, the type of organization you normally pay your speakers, then you're going to pay me too. But the point of the matter is, is I'll tell you right to your face, stop whining and start Winning. Get out the paper and pen. Type out a letter. Learn who's in your political subdivision. Learn the keepers. Learn the controllers. Go to Center for Self-Governance. Sign up for classes. Participate. Do the program requirements. They teach you how to be successful. That's the real deal, folks. That's the real deal. Until we start doing this in earnest, we will ab absolutely lose. But the difference is at this point in time, we're not at, we're not losing. Uh, It's not, we're not losing some, some innocuous thing, some, some ambiguous thing. We're losing our lives. We're losing our freedom. We're losing. Because we don't speak up. Even when it comes to our safety and security, we don't speak up. We don't actually – look, talking to everybody in your echo chamber, it's, it's like this on social media. Uh, Facebook is, is, is terrible for this. Uh, you know, somebody will – you know, if you're not a Trump person, if you're a Cruz person, if you're a Trump person, whatever, you, you, whoever, Trump, or whoever the person is, you know, they'll do a post. The person will do a post and say, look, you know, you post one more pro so-and-so thing on my page or one more anti so-and-so thing on my page. I'm unfriending you because I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. You need to get on the board, or get on board or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. We get all mad and then we create an echo chamber. Everything that we hear uh, influences only, you know, it, it only serves to to enhance what we already believe. It just it forces us to continue believing what we already believe. My friends, that's that's not the way to win. That's not the way that's not the way to learn. That's not the way we 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 grow. We've we've got to have our ears open. We've got to listen and learn. There are things 
that honestly, after 11 years of, of postgraduate education, there are things that I know now that I said 11 years and one day ago were so, and they weren't so. They're what I'd always been taught. They're what I'd always believed. Good, well-meaning men and women had taught me these things, and then I learned over time that that's simply not true. Look, we, we forget things. We, we forget things. And we, I'll say, um, I'll, I'll say this, and I don't want to offend anybody, but I kind of do want to offend you into action. Dr. Gorka says in his book, the lack of fundamental knowledge is still far too prevalent. Even within professional national security circles, I regularly encounter utterly basic questions like, what is the difference between Sunni and Shia Islam? And cliched conspiracy theories like America having created Al-Qaeda. Such woeful ignorance might have been excused back in 2002, 2003, but we're now in the 15th year of this war. If we don't, if we don't do better, we will be doomed to repeat the whack-a-mole approach to the threat, provoking greater problems instead of applying the right strategies now. You, the reader, can help us get to the point where we know enough about our enemy to point local, state, and national policy in the right direction. Where to start? In the section that follows, I offer you the bare essentials, the list of the most important works you should read, most relevant websites. And if you want that, by the way, buy the book. Buy the book. Read the Declaration of Independence. Read the Constitution. Read the Bill of Rights. Read your state constitution. I cannot emphasize that more. Sunday in the state of Delaware, Delaware folks, you live here. By the way, you'll be vetted, by the way. You go to the website, centerforselfgovernance.com. It's being held in a private home. We want to know a little bit about you before you do it. It's $25. You'll get a workbook. You'll get a copy of the Constitution, all that stuff. You'll receive literally some of the best instruction you'll ever receive in your life, and it's stuff you can use. You're going to understand that, that, and we do these all over the country, by the way. Come, and we'll, we'll unpack your Constitution. We'll explain what does this mean. But in order to point local, state, and national policy in the right direction, you've got to know what these things say. These are what drives us. You say, well, Biden doesn't pay attention to it anyway. Government doesn't pay attention because we don't even know we're being violated. We don't even know we're being violated. You've got to know. You've got to know the system. You've got to know the documents. Look, all of these documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, Bill of Rights, the Holy Bible, they represent the America the jihadists want to destroy. Dr. Gorka says this in his book. The documents enshrine the eternal truth that the founding fathers recognized must be the bedrock of the United States of America. Only when we refresh our understanding of where we came from and what America means will we be fully equipped to restore our families and friends' devotion to what so many of us have forgotten in recent decades. For example, our Constitution's separation of church and state and state, you know, I have to tell you, that never meant religion could have nothing to do with the governing of our nation. The founders simply intended that the United States would not have an established state religion. And he goes on to say, and that no one could be sanctioned by the state for being of the wrong faith. Separation of church and state does not mean, as many people inside government actually believe today, the religion can never, that religion can never be discussed when investigating a threat or interrogating a suspect. And it definitely doesn't mean that a subject under surveillance as a threat to American lives cannot be recorded or otherwise monitored when he steps inside a mosque. 
Look, if somebody is suspected of being a terrorist, it doesn't matter whether he steps into a mosque, a church, a temple. He's still a threat, and he should still be treated as such. Let me tell you, if, if somebody tells us that, that he, he says proudly, you know what, I'm a jihadi. This is what I am. I'm a jihadi. This is what I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a jihadi. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to come to your country. I'm going to cut your head off. Or somebody stands up. And, and says and has the boldness to say that. Look, a police officer. He talks about Dr. Gorker talks about this in his book. Nor does separation of church and state mean that we cannot identify the religious motivation of a terrorist. If a man says proudly he is a jihadi and that he's committed an act of violence in service to his faith, it is unconscionable for a politician to insist that the attack had nothing to do with religion, as the mayor of Philadelphia did after the attempted assassination of one of his policemen. January 2016. This is political distortion of the threat. If we understand how politics has perverted the practice of national security in recent years, we will be one step closer to diagnosing the actual threat to America and arriving at the correct response to threat. Look, we've got to return to the principles enshrined in our founding documents. But you know what? If you don't know what the founding documents say, if you think you do, but you don't know, no, newsflash to you. You're going to just be spinning in front of a fan, spitting into a fan. If you don't know what you're talking about, now I'm saying, you, I'm, not, I'm not, by no means do I want you to be a constitutional scholar. If you want to be, great. But you've got to know what to do with that information. You have to know, you have to understand. Once you're informed, you can't be, and I think a lot of people, they're, they're, um, I think a lot of people, they, they just, to tell you the truth, I, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but maybe I do. Look, you, Sometimes you are ignorant. Sometimes you are ignorant. Sometimes you know you're ignorant of the facts, and you talk out your butt. And you've got to stop talking out your butt if you don't know. Be embarrassed, and then go learn. Go learn. This war is being waged here, and we've got people making it easier. Secretary of State and others making it easier for Iran to get nuclear weapons. We've got the Secretary of State. Hillary Clinton, deeply involved in helping to get Iran nuclear material, raw material, helping Russia to get raw material from our land. Look, you don't look at a map. Type in uh, federal ownership uh, or public lands. Type that in. The feds own so much land in the United States. It, it is amazing. I'd never move, I would never ever move to Nevada because Nevada's, so much of it is owned by the federal. You say, well, that's good. We, you know, um, Teddy Roosevelt, you know, great idea, national parks, that's a really great thing. Um, you know, save the land, preserve the land. Look, that's not how it works. I, I know a farmer right now. I had a guy, uh, my son's car broke down. We had to come have a tow, and this guy's a farmer as well as a tow truck operator. And he told me a story about his, his, uh, his friend who, uh, his friend's farm got shut down for 10 years. This is in the state of Delaware. 10 years of farm gets shut down. His whole livelihood is gone. He's got to find another way to make a living because some government muckety-muck walked onto his land, looked at his pond and said, hey, you know what? Your pond is illegal. Wait a second. This pond's been here for hundreds of years. What are you talking about? It's a natural pond. Well, it's illegal. And the water tested bad, so you, you, you can't, you, you're shut down. And you're sitting there and you're saying, hey, you know what? That sounds crazy. I don't think that happened. Well, it did happen. It did happen. We cannot sit back. We cannot 
sit back. Thank you, uh, Steve from Ohio. Just include if you're in chat, then you have the link right there to the, uh, the federal lands. I mean, it, it'll stun you. It will stun you. It, it'll it'll shock you. It'll make you kind of sick at, to your stomach. I mean, it really, really will. So we're going back and forth about you know Clinton and and Trump and and some people are still fighting the Cruz War. I was super, 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 super for Ted Cruz, but you know what? He didn't win. The game is over for him for now. And you know some Cruz fans, I love you. You know I'm with you. I got my hand raised for Ted Cruz, but you know what? He's not in the race. We gotta let it go. I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. He has accomplished some amazing things, absolutely. He's raised some amazing kids, and you can't take this from him. He's a really smart guy. But he has the cojones, the steel cojones, to stand up to the politically correct in America. He's not stupid. He's not saying things, you know, he just pops off at the mouth, and that's not what's happening here. And if you think that's what's happening, you are woefully misinformed. He brought by himself, he brought illegal immigration to the forefront of the discussion. Otherwise, it wouldn't be talked about. He single-handedly brought um, refugee resettlement and, and Muslims coming to America to the forefront. You look at all over, all over Europe, and you see that these, a lot of these uh, attacks, and there's many. I mean, there's, there are attacks all the time. You see that they, m- many of them are done by refugees or former refugees, people who have been invited. Hey, come on. We're so sorry that you have a bad situation in your country. No, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't need to, we can dispense with a lot of the rules and yeah, we'll look into you a little bit. You look like a nice person. So we'll let you in. And those people commit these heinous acts and they're going to do more as their population rises. I've taught you for years and years and years as they get more and more people, guess what they're going to do. They're going to have more and more power. Remember, Islam is not a religion. It is a religious, political, and military ideology. The easy way to remember it is a mnemonic RPM, religious, political, military. And as they get the numbers, they change. They get those numbers. They get that dominance through uh, an influence through religious means. They say, well, we're religion. America, you're supposed to respect religion, religions. So we give, them, we give them a wide berth. We say, well, we don't respect anybody's religion. That's separate. You know, we, we don't do that. We don't want to be bigots. So then we do. And then guess what happens next? You can all guess. Come on, you know. The next thing to happen is what? Political. We've got entire towns and in, in, uh, the whole town council, in, including the mayor, in different places in the United States, in Michigan even. Every single person on the town council, Muslim. Mayor, Muslim. Well, what do you think is next? You think that's going to go well for the people? No. There's one town in particular that's uh, uh, predominantly Polish, uh, lots of Catholic icons everywhere. And uh, they start off, you know, the Muslims move there, and little by little by little they gain power and influence. And then they gain control if they got enough numbers. And little by little by little they kept forcing the, the Christian churches and the Catholic churches out, and they were put in their mosques. And now the rules are ridiculous. Now the, now a lot of the original Polish people are like, I, I, it's scary here. You know, you see people flogging their wives. Nobody seems to care. The police don't even respond. They, it's a whole different set of rules. Well, guess what? There is a different set of rules. It's called Sharia law. 
Look, I said during the, the interview and, and before that, that that the United States, the White House, the administration of the White House, they, they live in this fantasy land. And I, and I would only I would only I disagree with Dr. Gorka from, in this perspective. I don't think it's a fantasy land. You know, they have a 26-year-old White House national security advisor. They've never had any experience in national security. They, they're or a deputy national security advisor who has a master's in fictional writing and fine arts. Got no experience. Ben Rhodes has no experience. He knows how to twist words. That's it. And he lives in fiction all the time. But I'm going to say this. They're not living in an Alice in Wonderland uh, sort of place. They don't have any idea what the threat is. They do know what it is. And that's where I differ. I think they know. I think they know. I believe they know. They just don't care. So you ask yourself, you ask yourself in, in this election, and it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be won or lost today with what I'm saying. So take it with a grain of salt. But you've got to ask yourself, hey, man, what do I, what do, what do, I do about a government that says, you know, we don't say Islamic attack. We don't say jihad. We, no, we don't say that anymore. We don't say those things. We don't say it was a, a Muslim that did it. We've got to find every other reason under the sun why somebody did something. Other than as they're shouting Alu Akbar and killing people. So you have this election. You have Donald Trump and you have Hillary Clinton. But we know Clinton's a murderer. Another guy, a DNC staffer. He gets shot in the back of the head in Washington, D.C. Super tight on guns. He couldn't have been a gun. He must have thrown a rock really hard. Because, you know, they have super strict gun laws. But he's found dead. His watch is on, very expensive watch. He's got his wallet, his billfold for you folks in Memphis. He's got his billfold in there. It's full of money. He's got jewelry on. It wasn't a robbery. It was a hit. That's Hillary, folks. You know, we can, we can kind of make a little Facebook joke about it. We can, she's straight up evil, just like our enemy in Islam. Straight up evil. So what do you do about it? What do you what do you do about it? You get informed and then you get active. But you don't spin your wheels on Facebook posts. You want to make a Facebook post, say, hey, look, getting together a group of people uh, who are who are tired of being lied to. And and we're gonna do a letter writing campaign, we're gonna do a you know, we're gonna we're gonna learn the laws of our state, the laws of our of our, you know, the constitution of our state. The federal laws, all these things. We're going to learn these things that they keep telling us we're not allowed to do. The things they keep doing that make us less and less safe. We, we've got to stop this, folks. We've got to stop it. I know it makes no sense. It, it makes no sense. But listen, there, there are, and, 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 and this is important for you to connect with. If you don't know any Gold Star families, if you don't know anybody that's lost a son, a daughter, a husband, a brother, a sister, a wife, if you don't know anybody, this war's not real to you. It's not real. Said it all, I don't know how many ways I can say it. America's not at war, America's at the mall. We laugh at Waters' world when, and he's a good guy, you know, um, when he'll interview people who should know better, college students. You know, and I'm talking big-time college students, 
We're not we're not talking uh, we're not talking you know little community college. There's nothing wrong with community college, by the way. Nothing at all. But we're talking about you know some of the the biggest institutions in the world, the most widely respected and revered. They don't know who President Reagan is. They're showing a picture of President Reagan. They don't know who he is. They don't know what Sharia law is. They don't have any idea. So what do you do with that? What do you do with that? You get involved. You don't sit back. You don't sit back. You don't say, hey, you know what? I'm playing Pokemon Go, and, and I'm, I'm, I don't even know what that is. It's some, some game. I don't know what that is, but I just got so-and-so driving around, walking into walls, climbing into people's backyards. And that's what's important to you? Well, you've got to leave those people by the wayside. If that's, if that's what they're doing, you, and that's how they're you're not going to help them. You're not going to help them. Don't get into a gun debate with them. They're, they're going to be a waste of your time. Don't get into a national security debate with them. They don't know anything. They just know they want to find this pig at you. I'm thinking, what do you, grill that guy when you catch him? Is that what the deal is? I don't know. But it comes down to being real. It comes down to not wasting your time with stupid stuff. You know, you say, well, Dr. Sean, you make like 35 posts a day on on the Facebook. This is what I do. But I also get outside of this zone, and I, and I go right to the, the dirty, nasty place called Legislative Hall, and I get in front of these politicians, and I say, no, this is what you said. This is what you promised. This is what the law is. I said this last week, James Comey. You know, he, he didn't want to throw himself on the sword, sort of. He threw himself on a pillow to protect himself and his family. But he violated the law by not – you can't not prosecute seven violations of the law, federal law. You can't. Just like the president cannot selectively not enforce law. Just like you can't force a person in Roan County, Kentucky, Kim Davis, to abide by a Supreme Court opinion when the law of her state says otherwise. You can't do it. Why did she, why did she go to jail? She went to jail. People sent me uh, – last week I got 28,000 – 28 or 29,000 emails. It was more than normal. Last week's unscripted show, I don't it's just last second we thought we were going to have Dr. Gork on, and, and he wasn't on, and so um, you know, I had to kind of wing it. And on that show, it was crazy because it was one of the most downloaded shows we've ever done. But on that show, I, I talked to you about this. Kim Davis went to jail. People are like, no, come on. There's no way she got – what did she get put in jail for? Oh, well, she got put in jail, Dr. Sean, because she violated federal law. No, she didn't because it wasn't federal law. They can issue opinion all they want. It's until the law is changed. And her law in her state and her county where she lived was against the law for her to do a gay marriage. And so she did. And she got demonized. You know why she got demonized? Because she was all alone can't let people be all alone in the fight. And the way you don't let people be all alone in the fight is you get in the fight with them. But be smart about it. We're busy people. We can't, we can't waste a whole lot of time. We got to get in it to win it. Right? We can't sit around and whine and moan and all this stuff and lament. We got to get in it. We got to get in the battle. We got to learn what we're doing. And we got to get in the battle. We, we don't have a choice, folks. 
We don't have a choice. Yeah, we should be playing terrorist go. Go catch them all. I love that, Steve. I love that. Last week's show was so great because of the awesome calling guest. You know what? Steve from Ohio did a great job. That was uh, unplanned, but it was an excellent, excellent call. Very, very good job. I commend you with a uh, really, really tremendous job. You see, America, <coughs> excuse me, we've got to get engaged, and we've got to get engaged in such a way that's effective. So think about that this week. Don't get in some big argument with somebody you're never going to change. You're never going to change them. Present, present it to the person and, let, and leave it be. Remember what Dr. Gorka said. On a more operational level, all Americans need to understand and accept the reality that they are now. And the they, by the way, is you. You're now on the front line of a war with an enemy that cannot be negotiated with or rationally deterred. You know, we hear all this stuff about, you know, well, we set up a perimeter. You know, all these people were killed, allegedly were killed at the um, Orlando Pulse nightclub. And we're told that, that all these people were killed. Okay. We're told the police didn't go in because they were told there was a car with a bomb and, and that he had rigged the doors. And could that happen? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? The terrorists know what to do. They know. They know what the police will do. They know what the political correctness will force them to do. They know also that the police and the officials will lie, 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 lie. They'll distort, distort, distort till they can't anymore. And then all of a sudden, well, yeah, he was Muslim, but that doesn't mean that was his motivation. And we get all mad and we say, oh, you know, how can you say that? That's wrong. And, and you know, see that? You're doing it again. Call him on it. Write a letter. Get your band of, of, of happy warriors together and write letters. Flood their office. Make a plan to get to your elected officials and to their offices and stand in front of them and say, hey, we're not going to take it anymore. We'll be here every day, every week. There's tens of thousands behind us, and we'll be back. There's hundreds of thousands behind us, and we'll be back. There are millions behind us, and we'll be back. We've got to stop asking for peanuts. Listen, folks, I have another interview after this. I want you to uh, go to my Facebook page. It's posted all over there, uh, facebook.com backslash smgreener. Um, I don't know if it's on God and Country, but if you go actually where a link is right now, I know for a fact the link is on uh, theninjapastor.com. Go over to the Ninja Pastor blog, that first post right there. You scroll down a little bit, you'll see the link to um, – it's really uh, – it's going to be a lot of fun. I've been on the show before. It's a whole bunch of fun. And uh, we're going to unpack some stuff. It's some hard stuff to talk about. But listen, I, I want you to understand, I appreciate you listening. But I need to know you're listening. In order for me to feel like there's any kind of value in what I'm doing, go to the blog, put in some comments, send the links to your friends, use social media, redeem it for good, send those links to them. Tell them, hey, you got to listen to this. This is the real deal, whatever you want to say. I appreciate you joining me at uh, 645. I think I go on uh, that radio thing tonight and, and with Cal Fritzy. And, and just what you do is just go to the ninjapastor.com, the Ninja Pastor blog. Um, and, and it's right there, that first post, there's a link right there. Click on that link. It'll take you right to it. 
So we'll be on live at 645. She comes on at 6. And uh, give her a listen. There's a lot of great, lot of great hosts here that are putting out some great content. And it's r- the real deal stuff. More than anything, I want you to get plugged in. I want you to stop being afraid of the puppet master. Stop being afraid of the controller. Stop putting your hand out and expecting to get peanuts. We're going to take this country back. We've got to be bold. We've got to be strong. We have to know in whom we believe and believe that he is able to keep that against that day. We, we are the warriors. God bless you. Thank you for joining me. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www. DrSeanGreener.com In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.